Star Trek, The Nerdy Frontier. These are the discussions of the Good Time Society. Their continuing mission, to explore each episode, to seek out new topics and ridiculous observations, to boldly watch what they've already watched before. Watch this really great episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation, episode two hundred eight. Have you seen it? It's really good. I feel yeah. like this is a good one to show someone who maybe has seen original series, but is like, I don't know about next gen. How do I give it a chance? And this is what I would show them is sort of like the encapsulation of like the differences. Yeah, this is a good ambassador for the show in general. Like, uh, I I, rec- I agree with you, Xander. I think if you're going to recommend somebody get into it, even if they actually maybe even haven't seen uh, the original series and right. they needed to know, like, just a sampling of Star Trek The Next Generation, this is a great example for sure. Yeah. Amen. Tell us the premise. <laughs> <laughs> what? Who's the captain I just now? love our conversation flow because it always it's is really like we're kind of going and then and then when Becca's waiting for us to finish, she's like, okay, <laughs> next section? <laughs> <laughs> I'm efficient. I'm working here, Jake. Am I the only one working here? Opening banter. What kind of ship is this? Done. Let's attack. <laughs> yeah. We should have a podcast exchange program. <laughs> Ouch. Oh, no. Ouch. I'm not saying I want to like get rid you of you. I want you to. you void with me in a circus ring and you just casually drop that? <laughs> well, when I am, I'm always like talking to you and recording like this. Did you see Picard's hand up while he was phasing? Phaser. I don't know if you guys noticed it. Jake, this yeah. is a podcast. You have to describe your motion. All right. So his hand was up by his chest, his offhand. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like in a uh, a pointed position just outward, like almost as if he was also fencing, which I guess makes yeah, sense. Yeah, we've right? established that Picard is a fencer, and so he might be drawing on that. What I have a problem with is they call it the phaser range. He's like, meet me in the yeah. phaser range, not the holodeck, which means there's like a dedicated area that it's constantly f- just doing this. Dark. <laughs> yeah, there was a black void with a little yellow and red circus ring where both Riker and Picard are back to back and shooting things in the dark that we can't see. And wow, this new set is incredible. <laughs> it should a thousand percent just be a holodeck program. <laughs> I thought it was. I missed that. <laughs> well, it probably is, right? Xander's making the assumption like we all are that it probably is the holodeck. But it, the equivalent is like is like uh, Picard saying... Hey Riker, meet me in 1926 London. Yeah, <laughs> as opposed to as opposed to you know, uh, go, go to the the phaser range. But uh, as Becca mentioned, we are watching an episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation. It's episode 208, A Matter of Honor. Wah! This one is where Riker serves as an exchange officer on a Klingon warship. Whoa! It's a good Riker episode. <laughs> Has anyone ever done that before? No. Wow. Not, necessi- <laughs> not necessarily in Star Trek. I'm sure they've had, um, or not necessarily in the show so far. I don't. I believe the it's a they point. have. Yeah, they have had uh, officer exchange programs, but this is the first time it's been done with the Klingon specifically, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can tell you about my officer exchange program. Okay, so I was a junior in high school, uh-huh. and we had an exchange program with the school in Germany. Uh-huh. The German students all learned English, and we learned no German. <laughs> they just sent us there. And we took our American ways of blustering through and, and drinking as much as we could at 16 years old. Um, <laughs> and I didn't get along with my exchange partner, much like Riker and Clag. Anyway, did we'll you get throw to Clag. your exchange partner into a bulkhead at any point? Mm, 
she threw me into the bulkhead <laughs> and told me, you cannot drink and smoke weed. Oh. That was Russian. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, she, I guess she could and have been like, an immigrant. And I was like, I'm in Germany. I can do what I want. <laughs> She said one or the other, and she was wrong. I also had an exchange program. I was in Japan. Sorry, love you, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> you went to Japan, though, and spoke Japanese, right? Xander? Well, yeah, it was uh, it was That's an immersion, un-American. immersion program. So I had, like, basic, basic Japanese, and then I had, like, a host family and went to university for my junior year in Japan. It was intense and a lot all at once. Wow. Yeah. Both intense and a lot. <laughs> I want to hear more. Well, yeah, tell us, Xander. Tell us more. This is, but tell us in Japanese because you have <laughs> since learned even more Japanese. That's <laughs> you're welcome. You taught me that one, and I used it when I was in Tokyo. Nice. Yeah. Well, it was so interesting because I went to Nagasaki, which was sort of out in the countryside of Japan. Uh, and my host family was they had they owned the local grocery store, and the host father was like this wispy, timid Japanese man, but the host mother was like this stocky, rough voiced cook, uh, and she just like would like bark at us, and it was awesome. I loved this it. This all fits my idea of what Japanese people are yeah. like. <laughs> <laughs> it was so great. And it was like trial by fire because if we weren't speaking Japanese at the table we weren't eating. So you had to memorize your vocabulary words to hold conversations and stuff. And it, it was great. They didn't let you eat if you couldn't speak? I mean, they would, but you'd get a hard time the whole time. So, you know If what there I mean. was a lull in the conversation, they'd just pull your bowls away. <laughs> yeah, slowly. <laughs> you would have to protest. <laughs> yeah. Take the noodles out and just feed you the broth. Yeah. Ooh, the, one of the first days uh, had, they had made fish for breakfast. That's the other thing is you ate whatever she gave you and you did not question it. Yeah, the fish for breakfast made me... Um, Nope, can't do yeah, it. Fish it's is like in a lot of fish. things there too, right? Mm-hmm. It's like in a lot of dishes. It's like yeah, yeah. It's in everything. Mm. You think you're getting a pastry? Nope, it's fish. I, I learned <laughs> to love it. <laughs> you thought you were getting a pastry, and it turns out it was fish. That happens. All of a dozen yes. donuts, please. This is a school of fish. It, actually, yeah, I did buy donuts, and they had fish paste in the yeah. middle, and like squid in the middle, oh, and no! I'm very squeamish about seafood. Uh-oh. I like. fish fish but like it's got to be salmon or tuna because i grew up in the midwest and i uh didn't try fish for the first time until i was 25 you know when i was watching this episode i was like oh they're hitting on the all the cultural exchanges like uh language and culture but mostly food too Mm -hmm. and i was like but that is such a huge part of culture and all um, I was going to say humans, but I guess Cleons too. We eat all the time. So it yeah. is a very valid thing to explore. And I, I kind of liked that in, in this episode with all of the crazy dishes that Riker chose to scarf down on before he left. You know, when I find a crazy dish, I'm going to name my ship after it. <laughs> well, it's funny because I was going to ask the Klingon food, would you eat it? And Becca, you just said you're, you're sort of a squeamish eater. I can hardly eat like on a regular. No, I, if it's not coffee or a donut, I it's really hard for me to get down. <laughs> I'm, I'm a super adventurous eater. I will eat anything as long as I know that it is edible and other people eat it. You know, I, I will try anything once ah you're brave Mm. that's incredible so you if you were served a bowl of moving worms and someone said this is so i've made before i'll send a picture of you i put it on instagram oh i got it wrong pa is the ship and is the worm food yes my bad no i i would i have i've eaten like grubs and things like that before and and ants and crickets xander no 
I mean, yes, but like you're gonna have to do that for me when we travel. <laughs> well, this is one more J- uh, Japan story, but what, uh, some of the weirdest things that I had ever eaten was uh, in Japan, like weird. But uh, we were visiting a friend in Kumamoto, and one of the local dishes there was basashi. So th- we were staying with with our friend, and they had this like big traditional house with their family, and they made this uh, sushi dinner for all of us, and it included basashi. And What's basashi? It looks like just another variation of sushi, like maybe a tuna of some sort. It is raw horse meat, uh, and so oh. I found that out afterwards. It's, it doesn't. It tastes like whatever, but I was very surprised. <laughs> so does that mean there's like a horse farm, for lack of a better term, somewhere? Right. Yeah, they were raised for that purpose. Interesting. I also but was. Did they get to run in a field first? I'm sure. Oh, horses are so beautiful. And but so are pigs, you know. Raw is was another level. I I did have whale while I was there, and it was like a really really tender steak, and it was actually kind of amazing. <laughs> Whoa! Can I? Um, this is really important, and I need to tell you guys. Last night, you just reminded me I had a dream where I was swimming in the ocean and. Uh, what's the biggest whale? Like a blue whale? Uh-huh. Yeah, he was swimming under me, and he ate my legs off. Ooh. So, yeah, dissect that for me. That's terrifying. Anyway, that's what I know about whales. <laughs> right. Do you have a fear of large sea creatures? I have a fear of the sea. Yeah. Not the creatures. Yeah. See, that's why you should like seafood, because you must consume them for their power. <laughs> <laughs> Eat that which you fear. Yeah. I can no longer fear them. It's a... a um, Aversion therapy? No. Yeah, What's it called? Kind of. Yeah. Consumption therapy. Consumption there therapy. There you go. <laughs> Let's talk about Star Trek, though. This yeah. is a matter oh, okay. of honor. Uh, so yeah. we we begin the episode learning that there is an officer exchange program. Oh my god, that's my friend Mordock. Oops. <laughs> well, specifically not Mordock, actually. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, this is awkward. I'm yeah. sorry. I thought all Vinsites looked the same. Thanks. <laughs> I mean, to uh, the human eye, they definitely do. And if you'll uh, look carefully, that's the same actor as well. <laughs> so, no way. Oh, yeah, that's the same actor. Yeah, that's why it was confusing. His voice sounds the same. Yeah. So this is this is the character, if people haven't watched in a while, where Wesley is going to the Academy and taking his test, and he makes friends with the blue alien who has, like, a breathing tube. Mm-hmm. The, the little uh, portable vaporizer, right, uh, mounted on yeah. his chest. That was Mordock, but this is Ensign Minden, who's way more know it all y. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they were both pretty know it all y, weren't they? Because that mm-hmm. was Mordock, like, was crushing all the tests at Starfleet Academy, right? Yeah. Yeah, but he didn't rub it in people's faces like Minden does. Ah, uh, well, I feel like that's the cultural exchange, right? Is that yeah. he is so procedural in how he analyzes and needs a full diagnosis of something before he brings it to somebody that that's part of his cultural exchange. You know, it really reminds me of Zara. My German German exchange. Oh. <laughs> I was like, which alien was this? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, but she, whereas he wanted to report a full diagnosis, she just didn't want you to smoke weed and drink at the same time. Right. Same. Okay. okay. Same. Same. <laughs> I'm not sure who you are in this analogy. Other, you're either Worf or, or Wesley, but I am Clag. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I want to say that the poor actor who played this, he has a very uh, he has a very nice quote on um, Memory Alpha. He had mentioned his name is John Putch, and he said, on being cast for this episode, I was very impressed by all that. I thought, oh, they love me. They love me. What they really loved was that it was me because they spent all that money on making the blue head and it was form-fitted for me. 
So I don't fault them at all for that. I would have done the same thing, but it's funny how naive you, naive you are about these things when you're just an actor. Uh, so he thought I that mean, they were bringing you him back. you weren't too bad. That's a compliment. No, what was yeah. his name again? Uh, because jo- you will want to use this for the recording. John Putch. Putch. <laughs> it's popping every time you say the P. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I wondered how much was ADR because his prosthetic teeth did not look like he could deliver his lines very well. So I wonder if a lot of it was recorded after the fact and if they used him for that. Oh, I usually am pretty good about catching ADR and I didn't hear it for him, but now I want to go back and listen. Well, also, you wouldn't be able to see if it perfectly matched his lips because he had all that prosthetic blue face on with very kind of Zoidberg-y mouth (laughs) flaps. Mouth tentacles? Mouth tentacles. Yeah, I want to paint the picture. <laughs> so in our officer exchange, Riker, or actually someone will be leaving the Enterprise, and we're getting this Benzite uh, ensign, as a matter of fact. And uh, as we mentioned before, Picard calls Riker over to the phaser range. And <laughs> while they're doing some target practice on various colored lights, uh, Picard casually mentions that um, maybe it should be Riker. Maybe Maybe. Actually, Riker mentions, but uh-huh. just says that there is the transfer program, and Riker's like, huh, there's a Klingon ship nearby? Maybe, if nobody's ever done this before, then I should be the one. Oh, it is Riker's Come, idea? Hey, boss? Yeah. Well, Picard mentions that there is a Klingon ship nearby, I think and no one's can, ever done it. You can interpret it two ways. Either Picard is playing four-dimensional chess and like is supplanting the idea into Riker's mind, or Riker is taking advantage of the opportunity to do something no one else has done before. So I think yeah. you could look at it from either angle. I bet it's I bet it's the former. I bet Picard set him up oh, yeah. in the old the old phaser firing range trick we like to call it, where yeah. you can convince yeah. anybody to take a mission. It was your idea. <laughs> really he just wants to live vicariously through Riker. That's what's happening. Right. That's that's not wrong. Because he's not allowed to leave the ship, you know. It has mm-hmm. to be Riker. Go sleep with them some stunning Klingon women for me, Riker. <laughs> Both that's at what the same Riker heard. <laughs> One interesting thing about this exchange program, which Riker mentions to uh, Mendon, what's his name? Uh, yeah, Mendon, when he comes on board. There is not only a briefing, there's an indoctrination session, which yes. felt, yeah, really culty. Brainwashing. Yeah, yeah right? Super brainwashing. Indoctrination session, I was like, why did they phrase it like that? As opposed to, this is our process, as opposed to, this is our process and you will obey. <laughs> and yet, they really didn't get too much into it in this indoctrination session no. because later we'll find out that Mindon is not even taught the basic chain of command. <laughs> right. And who let this guy on the bridge anyway? I That's... thought bridge was like, ooh, next level. Why are you letting the interns on? You are not wrong. There was something <laughs> wonky there, that especially like the science station on the bridge, especially during an emergency. Like, <laughs> it's yeah. pushing and it to Mindon... have pressure there. <laughs> I, I think this Mendon thing is our B plot, and then the Klingon, Riker going to the Klingon ship is the A plot, but then at some point they merge. But I think Mendon be, having access to the science part of the bridge and being able to uh, zoom in on the Klingon ship for two whole minutes in a way that they can see they're being scanned, ooh, maybe don't give the interns that button. Yeah, <laughs> it's rough. Yeah. But then again, yeah. you think, how harmful can a scan be? They're always scanning. We're scanning all the time. That's what the science station's for. 
Well, let's talk about the scam. <laughs> I mean, to answer your question, I also feel it was a, a TV consideration of like, well, we only have so many times and we can't change set a lot. So that's true. He's going to be working on the bridge for this exchange. But I would have appreciated, well, I would have appreciated like a senior officer there. We could have met another science officer or something like that just to. I can always use more data. Or data. Even if he's just looking over someone's shoulder. Notably, this is the first episode of Star Trek so far we don't have LeVar Burton in. Oh. Oh. <gasps> Y'all didn't notice, but the head of engineering is not present. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and uh, Deanna Troy is not in this episode either, which has happened before. We did get O'Brien though, so oh boy, did we! <laughs> he would not go on a Klingon ship, just so you yeah, know. He knows better. Every time I see O'Brien now, I can only think of the crush that you have on him. Like <laughs> I, I'm still perplexed by this because, like again, to my young brain, I remember him being kind of doofy in my right. memory, but I. I don't think he is like that, but I just remember that. And so it's so perplexing to me that he, of all the attractive people on the show, you have the, the Irish transporter chief is your thing, which n no shame. But like, I think I'm you're so talking curious. to me, but it could be either of us. <laughs> it's true. Because really, um, you feel the same way, Xander? It's yeah. the poise and it's the voice. Uh, yeah. It's 90% the voice yeah. and it's 10% the swagger. <laughs> is so charming. He's so yes. charming. Oh, I love him as an actor. And like in all the other stuff he's done too. Well, even in the Star Trek, I, I like his contribution for sure. Uh, that's so great. I, I, I love this perspective. Something I never would have expected. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> we're on, uh, yeah, we're on Cole Meany Watch. Well, actually, let's let's briefly digress on to like crushes that we had because when I was a we kid, we don't digress on this show. <laughs> <laughs> At least we don't call it out. I mean, when as a kid, I never really found Crusher very attractive, but now as an adult, I definitely do. And I just don't know why. I mean, I guess I know that's changed because I'm an adult. Did you guys find differences in the people that you are like uh, entranced by? It's funny that you say that because I assume you mean Beverly Crusher because I had a crush on Ensign Wesley Crusher as a young boy. Okay, okay. I did mean Beverly, but yes, that's yeah. a good point. I didn't he even think about Wesley. He was there for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Who did I have a crush on as a kid? Um, I don't think at the time that I previously watched Star Trek that I had that sort of feeling. That's true. In general, but when I got older and thought back on it, I thought, oh, wow, Picard. Picard all the way. That's so interesting. Again, the swagger. Yeah. Well, I know from like this uh, boy perspective that I had with the other kids that were Star Trek fans, and it was definitely um, kind of in our own little heterosexual realm. But like, we always thought, why would women like Picard? He's and we. This was our. This was our. Um, He's stereotype bald. man he's bald and he's older and we're like Ugh. but like now i totally see yeah. the, the, the status <laughs> it, that comes with him and like he's so much more of a, a different type of hunk than william shatner was right totally. yeah i just picture you sitting at the mall with your friends and skateboards and then like a girl in your class who's 12 years old walks by with a 40 year old bald man on her arm and you're like we don't get I don't it get <laughs> A girl from Maturity. my class walks with a forty-year-old bald man on her arm. Yeah, that would I be don't weird. get that. I don't know. This is this is the image that came up in my head, and I thought I'd share. <laughs> but because I get it now. Is what I'm saying. As young kid, women like older men. It's a thing. I guess I was just saying, like the things we uh, find hetero, attractive sorry. definitely evolve as we age, and I'm just I'm just perplexed by that now because I definitely see this with different eyes. I think um, I really evolved to see the sexuality in the moment when Riker takes the ga. And lets the worms just dangle out of his mouth. Yeah. For some reason, I like that this time. 
Riker was firing on all cylinders this episode. Like he sure was. was amazing. And I was gonna say when he first like beams over, uh, he gives him a hard time. But I was like, if Riker beamed onto my garbage ship, I would just stand and stare at him too. <laughs> I'd be like, oh. <laughs> In uh, Captain's Logs, the unauthorized complete Star Trek voyages, uh, Ro- director Rob Bowman says of this episode, Jonathan Frakes and I really got into that episode. Th- that was a fun one to do. I think Jonathan was waiting for something that was rough and had action and also had the bonding between he and Clagg. Every day was Jonathan and I doing high fives to try and put forth on film all the energy and spirit and adventure that was in that script. It was great to do. I guess there's a spirit inherent in the Klingons that seems to push in forth in a certain direction that the characters of the camera. I was going to, through a divorce at that time and was escaping into the world of space for some happiness. Probably helped me concentrate a little better. I know I was very aggressive at that point, so we put that on screen. When we did the fight on the bridge, I wanted it to be as rough as I possibly could make it. We even had to pare it down a little bit because what we had in mind was too much. Wow. <laughs> right? I thought that Love fight that. was extreme. I, when yeah. he threw Clag into the bulkhead and like sparks flew, I was like, oh no, did he just electrocute the second officer? Right. <laughs> Wait, slow down, slow down. I want to talk about what, what you're set up the scene here and before he transfers over to the pa uh-huh. uh Riker is given an emergency transponder from our boy Worf right Worf with the sentiment that he won't admit to he says it's purely practicality but gives this little uh pocket rocket to Riker <laughs> maybe, maybe. Oh, sorry what do you call it <laughs> oh that's not, not what we call a pocket rocket but yeah sure <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway, uh, then he's transported over to the Pah, and the the first officer of the, the, the captain, actually, of the, Captain Cargon is his name, is like, well, Klingons die for their ship's captain, and an, uh, if the order is given, would you die for me? I don't trust you. And then his second is like, yeah, I'm Clag, and I don't trust you. I challenge your authority. <laughs> and Riker's like, is this really what's happening right now? Okay. Boom! And he comes a clack and throws him into the thing. And of course, that's what earns Klingon's respect. Hell yeah. I, yeah. I think Jake touched on this too. This taps into like the fun side of masculinity, like the dumb beat em up action-y, you know, fast and furious style of, of fun that it's violent. Yeah. But it, you, at the end of the day, it's like chip on your shoulder violence. It's not, there aren't consequences. It's the barbarian. And it was right? also yeah. provoked. It was waiting till provoked. It was the karate kid like, ah, uh, 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 you gotta come for me. I'm not I'm not gonna be the aggressor, but I will overpower you because of my superior training, because I was standing in that ring shooting at colorful lights. Right. <laughs> all of the all of the sort of tests that they put Riker through, uh, he has to navigate in this like moral back and forth between his Federation training and then what he has to honor culturally for the Klingons. And I think it's a really cool way that he sort of figures out the balance between them. Uh, and that's sort of w- where they find the fun and uh, make it an interesting episode. <laughs> I like interesting episodes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so he proves his loyalty, and Captain Cargon is like, okay, you're my first, and Clag, you're his second, you gotta take orders, and chain of command established. This is Bam. why I was like, why didn't Riker, before he came over, spend his time really, like, strength training? Because I imagine that's what he's gonna have to put up with the most on the Klingon ship, but really what he did was he ate a, like, 12,000 calorie feast. <laughs> Like, when he was having that one-person buffet by himself and no one was eating with him, but they just kept bringing uh, in more food, I was like, 
Catherine, <gasps> Dr. Catherine Pulaski was there. Thank you very much. Was she eating? Did she, she was, was like being supportive is what right. she was doing. But my point she is, wouldn't even have a drink. But she, she was wouldn't eating eat her feelings. <laughs> okay, Sander. But my point is, is no one was helping him eat the food in front of him. And right. he kept ordering more. Well, yeah. Uh, come to think of it, this is the first time I relate to Pulaski because uh, <laughs> I would be there for moral support, Sander, if that were you eating that disgusting I feast would. of different space creatures that are still alive i totally would that's totally my jam like a cheese tasting board but with like alien foods no 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 no. give it to me okay i'll take the cheese yeah (laughs) but right before your officer exchange program like what is that gonna do to your insides especially the first time that's true that's where we you know it's replicated food so it can't have like the real adverse effects that something like what he really eats could yeah the food is i feel like could a replicator actually make the live version of something because a replicator can't replicate food right or uh like living beings right right notably replicators cannot make live gach and so you they have it like on their ships the kind that doesn't move right so that means that all the food on klingon ships is prepared by hand how archaic not all of it uh it's just supplemented they talk about just the goth stuff. Yeah. They replicate like the rice and noodles, then they they bring yeah. the live goch on top of it. <laughs> right. Nothing but the goth stuff. Yeah, dead goch is like a poor man's goch. Right. You don't eat that. <laughs> Can we talk about the sentimental scene with our friend Clag? So first, uh, of course, he prepares. Uh, Riker prepares by eating the gross food on the Enterprise. He goes over, and then there's this whole fight. And then later, we see him in the Klingon mess hall, and he's sort of getting teased because he's not eating enough. Mm-hmm. And it turns in, <laughs> we get the really great insult. Should we get a female to breastfeed you? Honestly, I think Riker would be very into that, but all the Klingons laugh. (laughs) He's like, actually, yes, Uh, please. Can I I order that or? (laughs) And then, and then he gets his comeback in when the Klingon female that is uh, making lewd comments towards Riker says he's not attractive, but I will have him. (laughs) And he's like, what what does she mean? (laughs) How will you endure them? I like the subtlety for TV. Keep it all ages. Um, (laughs) And then he's like, one Klingon woman or two? Yeah. (laughs) And then all the Klingon men are like, this guy gets it. This guy gets it. (laughs) And then. I didn't know. I didn't know you humans were funny. (laughs) Riker goes one step further and he's like, gentlemen, you're not excluded. And they're all like, oh, Riker horny. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I think I was too busy writing my notes uh, about enduring them. And I completely missed that. That's hot. I got to go back and watch for it. That's me putting gay subtext over everything. Thank you. Um, if it were made today, it would be. You have right. to be aware of when Xander is inserting his uh, broad vision of sexuality within. Oh, inserting. You didn't like insert, did you? I I'm did sorry. not. Careful when Xander's inserting. It's more like oh, tinting the, the, with the color of queerness. If it could. Yeah. Because well, here's the it thing. It feels it's only right God. to me, so I believed you. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, then we find a tender moment because, of course, all Klingons die in battle. And if you don't, it's shameful. And we find out because Riker asks where everybody, how everybody's dads died, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> and Clegg has daddy issues because his dad was captured by Romulans, allowed to live, oh. and then sent to the Klingon planet. Sorry, you mean 
Looking to the distance, my father was <laughs> captured by Romulans. It's funny because he stands up and goes and looks at a blank wall. Because yeah. there's like just these sterile walls right. all over the Klingon ships. Not even a viewport. Because Space there out. is slight emotion on his face and he can't let the other Klingons see. That's true. But he's he drawing his get attention it. to himself by walking away from the table and gazing out. Actually, were, were people gone by that point? Because there's one point there's less of them in the room. I think there's one other person. It's just like well, him that and was the other Klingon, right? Yeah. Day two of shooting, and they couldn't afford the location because it was the end of the day, and <laughs> then they the didn't makeup. call back all the extras. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a really nice moment, and I yeah. wrote down the line because I liked it so much that he's like, well, you should reach out. That's your dad. He's like, Klingons don't know how to show emotion, which is a very honest statement mm. and very self-aware. And then Riker says, yesterday, I did not know how to eat God. Beautiful. Yes, and that's, that's, we can all learn from each other. That's the whole point of the exchange. No, the big 100%. lesson is that Riker still doesn't know how to eat gah. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's all dangling from his chin He's at like, that point. Yesterday, I didn't know how. It's all over his face. <laughs> Look at me now. <laughs> it seemed like a very Klingon way to eat it, though. It's true. <laughs> yeah. I had just had the note of like, Riker's so cool. <laughs> Truth, <laughs> but yeah. based on what? On on how he's handling himself over there? Just his emotional um, maturity. All of it. The whole episode. I thought Riker was so cool. <laughs> yeah, it's true. He does a good job of true. holding his own in a non Klingon way. Like he doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't have to resort to their level of vitriol or like violence or maybe maybe vitriol strong so much as like uh, aggressiveness, right? Uh, hmm. He still like holds his confidence with the poise of a Starfleet officer while still adhering to what cultural norms they have on board their ship. You can have the masculinity without it being toxic, Klingons. Absolutely. (laughs) Should we go back? Let's catch back up with Mendon. Oh, Mendon. And what he found? Dear Sweet Mendon found like uh, some type of, was it an organism that he found on the neck of the bird of prey? It might even be a new life form. Great. We've made first contact. Oops, we got rid of it. (laughs) <laughs> Ooh, it's eating our whole. We yeah. gotta live in space, okay? So don't interfere with societies unless they're a stupid new bacterial life form <laughs> that's eating your ship. I just they wrote, love to the eat ship holes. Has a rash. It does, and, and it spreads their rash to the Enterprise. Yeah, subatomic bacteria. You gotta keep it anyway, at least six light years away, otherwise. Yeah. But we saw early in the episode that Mordon was seeing something that couldn't be analyzed by the ship's computer. And then um, he tried to talk to Picard and Picard was like, excuse me, we got a chain of command here. You should have been indoctrinated. Goodbye. <laughs> There's Worf. Go tell him. I thought that was a really good uh, response by Picard. Like, I, I found no fault in that response. Was, he was very polite about it, and he explained, listen, there's a chain of command, and the the way you don't get to just speak to the captain anytime something comes up is because we have intermediaries who make these decisions up to me. And I think that's super valid. And like, every, every ensign freaked out about every sensor scan. And brought it to the captain. The captain would have no time to do anything. Amen. Yeah, I, th- I think we... Igno- <laughs> Hashtag give Picard his time back. <laughs> uh, I think Picard acknowledged early on that he knew that was a Benzite trait of like sucking up to superiors and trying to be the best at something. So this seemed like a very diplomatic way to handle something like that. He did? He, yeah, he mentioned it uh, because Riker in the in the phaser firing section, Riker brought up Mordon uh, and uh, Mendon. You guys Mendon. both have said Mordon a couple times. Sorry, 
It's it brought up, very different from Mordok, you guys. Yeah, it brought up Mendon, and uh, and without anything, Picard was like, oh yeah, Benzites are like that. And I was like, didn't oh. say he was a Benzite. Now you're generalizing about a whole people, yeah. but it's But fine. that's what they kind of have to do on these exchanges because you have to prep them, I guess. Like, it's that's so interesting of like, is, yeah, well, that's the thing of like, where does it become a cultural norm versus a stereotype, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Fine line. That Well, there is no line. It's very blurred. And so it, it, maybe it's different from every subculture to subculture, right? So that's a, that's a really interesting aspect of this I found because – Let's see. There's actually a note about this on um, Memory Alpha I want to read. Maurice Hurley, one of the executive producers, says – Part of them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a matter of honor was just a good idea. It dealt with a social problem. One of the things that old Star Trek did that the new Star Trek can't do as well was make comments on issues. Uh, you take a, a show like Matter of Honor and say, we're going to do a little culture swapping. So we explore what it must be like, for instance, to be the only blackface in a room full of 40 white people. That must be tough because that's what Worf, in a sense, is doing. He's the only Klingon on what is basically a human ship. So we said, let's spin it. Let's put somebody on an all Klingon vessel and see how that works. Um, and so that's a good point that I kind of forgot about because, as we've mentioned before, we kind of lean human in Star Trek: The mm-hmm. Next Generation, but uh, and that's most emphasized by the Klingons' difference. And there's not a mm-hmm. lot of other non-humans on board the um, on the bridge. And so that that is a really nice exchange to have. And I also love the exchange about the humor that came up in the uh, – I called it the fear factor scene where we were eating a bunch of <laughs> and daring Riker to have sex with these women, which was that like they, they bring up that he has a sense of humor. He mm-hmm. doesn't bring it up. Mm-hmm. And uh, the inverse of that was really fun, which is that, oh, they didn't expect a Starfleet officer to, to get their jokes. And that's what we expect from our perspective, too, for them to just be right. gruff and unfun. Yeah, it was really great. You know, it's really nobody wants to be token. It's not fun. <laughs> well, you bring up a good point, too, because Worf in its in himself is a specific case being a Klingon that was raised by humans. So everything that he knows about Klingon culture, he even says, I've studied. It's not I've lived and I, I experienced this. He's coming at it from sort of an outsider perspective, too, and has assumed from their readings and their beliefs that it's a very serious culture. but And that's what Riker has sort of his uh, touchstone for the culture is. But they, they peel back that layer and say, no, there is joviality. There is like trench humor. And um, Poor it, Worf. He's so uptight because yeah. he thinks he's supposed to be. But one of the things that <laughs> I... He doesn't know. He wants to represent Klingons well, and he doesn't have any examples that weren't from books. Right, right. <laughs> And, and this is the, the cool thing that I think about Star Trek alien races is that they've, they've sort of picked these concepts like honor or logic and based their whole like species and culture off of that. But we do want to see the variations because not all Klingons are the same. Not all Vulcans are the same. And so this gets into the nuance of like, yes, we can have a culture of a ship, but each person has a story. Acknowledge the nuance. Hmm. But you know, all Benzites are the same. (laughs) And (laughs) And they're all played by the same actor. (laughs) And their protocol is to not report anything to the higher up until they have a full analysis 
and a resolution? You can't admit there's a problem until you already found the answer to it is a ridiculous way to run any sort of ship, but that's how Vinsight's roll. And uh, he didn't tell anybody that he had found this virus bacteria, not a virus, bacteria spreading on both ships' holes, the Enterprise and the... Uh-huh. When the command team found out that he didn't tell them, that was the first time I've seen the first officer's chair whirl around in a way. Yeah, Data did it, right? And, and Data, of all people, who doesn't need visual <laughs> yeah. acuity on people to understand what they're saying, but he's just like very dramatic. Like, what? Because <laughs> <laughs> he had nothing to do this episode oh except for one line, everybody, so he was just playing around. Everybody staring at Mendon when he explained why he didn't do it. There was there was an extra behind him too who just keeps kind of looking over his shoulder, like, "Oh boy, this kid's <laughs> yeah. in trouble." Yeah, and even Worf was just like, "I'm gonna murder you later." <laughs> what did he say? Uh, you, you may, may impress, impress me. me. <laughs> Well, it's funny because it's not about impressing, right? It's about mm -hmm. impressing upon them. Is that the difference that they were trying to ride there? He he had said, I must impress upon you, Captain, the importance of me being here. And then Worf came back with, you must impress me. Oh, okay. I get it. (laughs) Yeah. But also, uh, he gave the order of like, go ahead and figure that mystery out. And uh, Data supervise, I guess. And I was like, maybe you want to switch that. Have Data figure it out, and maybe he could supervise or watch. <laughs> hey, how's he going to learn, okay? Yeah, how's guess. he going to learn? The Binsides are efficient. They're just bad at communication. But you know what? I have a critique for Picard. Mm. Because he gave shit to Binsite, uh, Mordon. What's his name? Mindon. Mindon. I wrote it down. Uh, Mindon. And then he turned around and didn't compl- um, communicate his partial knowledge of the problem to the Klingons. And that's why Captain Cargon goes into uh, aggro-cling-on-must-attack mode. But if he had been told, hey, we're looking into some weird bacteria we found on both of our ships. Oh. Hold tight. So they did. We wouldn't have a problem here. He, he tried. They opened hailing frequencies, and Cargon had already cloaked, and not, it was not accepting anything. They found it after they had mm. broken communication with the Enterprise. Interessante. Yeah, so like when when they actually heard that, they were still cloaked. Sorry, when the Klingons heard that, they were still cloaked. And he says at the end of the fourth act, he's like, I don't believe them. Yeah. Arm your torpedoes. <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. like, oh, geez. Okay. <laughs> I thought that I was really questioning whether like Riker was going to have to kill the commander. So that was like, they made a good point of that in the beginning, Worf especially, when he was like, yeah, if the first officer's one of their main duties is to kill the captain if he cannot do his job correctly or is incapacitated or whatever. Um, and so I was like, well, is that where this is culminating? And I loved how this episode turned out. Mm-hmm. Like this was planted that seed. This was one of the <laughs> this is one of the best resolutions of a Star Trek episode I think we've seen yet, which was a very yeah. clever move. It was very complex. I think a lot of times there's great ideas and then the execution or the wrap up of them is like, I don't know, it works out, get Mm -hmm. off the ship. And in this one, there was a complicated situation that they were definitely ahead of me as the audience member in solving that problem. Because what happened, just to recap, is that Riker used his little pocket rocket uh, as soon as Cargon was getting close enough uh, and was cloaked, sneaking up on the Enterprise, getting ready to attack. And then Riker was, we think he's going to transport himself back to the ship and save his own skin, but he transports Cargon. 
Hargon to the ship. And then once he's gone, Riker is in charge of the Klingon ship. Chef's kiss. The nice little Brilliant. layer on that is like Riker did it openly, knowing that Cargon would suspect it, right? And be like, give me that. That's mine. Or give me that. I want to see what that is. And then he gets transported. So it was even a trick, another layer well, of that. The, it's even a layer bef- beyond that. It's not necessarily a trick, but an understanding of the culture. He understands the repercussions of either taking over the ship or doing anything but this, and also understands what the captain is going to do when he pulls out Chekhov's pocket rocket. <laughs> I also love the moment where Clagg, the second in command, who originally fought Riker, comes up and says, you know what, Cargun, I know I didn't believe him in the beginning, and I believe him now that he didn't know. This isn't an attack. This isn't a plan. Because why would he transport onto our ship if they were trying to kill us? It's because they had that lunchroom scene. Logic here. And (laughs) also, my father was killed by Romulans. (laughs) (laughs) Can't forget about it, can you, Clag? Well, Cargon's like looking main, at <laughs> Cargon's main issue is like a very interesting part of this that they kind of just kind of move around, which is the fact that like whose loyalty do you have when you're on these exchanges? Who does this remind you of? Who say would purge anyone from their cabinet if they oh, couldn't wow. confirm or deny their loyalty? Ooh. <laughs> do you have like a branding deal that you'll just be able to mention these political topics in every segue? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to get uh, AOC to play Among Us with yeah, me. Yeah, right. <laughs> we'll have these that days. happened yesterday, FYI. I bet not with me. I bet one of those nerds is a huge Star Trek fan. They has to be. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll get her. Going back to what you were saying about the ending, Becca. Like, I really loved how clever it was too, especially in regards to like uh, in comparison to some of the stuff we just went through. Like the the episode right before this was the old age episode, right? Unnatural selection. Mm-hmm. And that was the resolution of that was just transport really complicated and then yeah. we reversed the 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 virus. It like was now we have magic. Like, yeah, we now we have these yeah. deception games and layers and stuff like that and it just was felt so much more rewarding. Overall, mm-hmm. I thought this episode was like not only a great example as we mentioned at the top uh, of a good ambassador for Star Trek, but it's also just a good all-around story that had a great beginning, middle, and end and would just be a good standalone show on its own. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. As you all said at the beginning, this is one that we ship it out, say, you've never seen TNG, watch this app. Yeah, and this is where they really have perfected the A plot, B plot thing. Uh, like we had mentioned, it was confusing on which one was the A plot, and I think those are the best stories, when you can marry these two things and you find those connections. Absolutely. The fact that they met at the end was great. Well, yeah, and actually, it's not only that they met at the end, they were kind of braided together the whole time, right? Mm -hmm. So it wasn't even just that it was an A and a B plot. It was actually about the same subject matter, and they related to each other, not only through the fact that there was the virus or the bacteria on both ships, but also the fact that the reason these people were where they were was because of the same reason, which was the exchange program. Uh, that's super solid script. SSS. Give me parallel themes and give me costume changes. I'm all set. (laughs) Well, I can't promise that for the next episode, but I can promise that it is a good one because this is the TNG classic, The Measure of a Man. Oh, boy. So much masculinity. It's true. Picard must prove Data is a sentient being with rights and freedoms under Federation law. You're going to love this one, Becca. You're gonna I'm already love it. crying. <laughs> you know I love every data-centric episode. Yeah. Well, I will say it's... Oh, uh, what, what is life? From what I remember of it, it is actually just as much, if not more, a Picard-centered episode, and it's very... Uh, 
uh, court trial based. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to see how that plays out. About time. Picard hasn't had his own episode in a while. That's true. <laughs> All right. Well, now that we've finished our mission, you know what? The Min Mindar Mindok. Oh, I lost it. Mindon. Yeah. Mindon. You know what? As the newest person on the ship, you should probably press that button. How about you? Engage. Engage. Perfect. Like a Klingon. Nah. Like a Klingon.